Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Happy that you're with us today and ready to study the Bible. We've researched some of your questions and are going to try to give you some answers today. If you don't know how the program works, that's all we do is answer questions. Uh, we think that's a good way for people to learn their Bible is to ask things that they wonder about. So there's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us. Tell us what you'd like us to discuss and we'll try to find you answers from the Bible. So let us know what you want and we'll try to find an answer. When I say we, I mean I'm Steve Tandy. Toby Levering's here. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. And Jeff Martin's back. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. And it's a gray day on the set today for, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for some reason. Well, we all pick gray suits, but that'll be fine. Got a question for our audience first here, and uh, your question is fill in the blanks. May the words of my blank and the meditation of my blank be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, a famous psalm. Fill those two blanks in, and we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. Toby gets to start us off. What's uh, on the agenda here? I have a question about marriage. Someone wants to know, does God bless a marriage that is not legally recognized? Well, uh, the question is challenging because there's a lot of ways uh, that the, um, a marriage might not be legally recognized. So not knowing specifically about what you're asking about, I would just say uh, in a general sense that legal marriage is certainly different than godly marriage. There are two different things. There's a difference between when, when I officiate a wedding ceremony or Steve or Jeff does and we're, we're doing that from a spiritual perspective and then after that ceremony we go and sign a license that uh, legally recognizes that couple as uh, married. Those are two different things, and um, you usually do both together, but um, on the spiritual side of things, in God's definition of marriage, uh, it is very simple. It's one man and one woman committed for one lifetime. That's a pretty simple way to remember it. Man's plan has always been different than God's plan. Uh, since the beginning, almost, we've just tried to change things up uh, and and mess it up in all sorts of ways. So anything outside of God's original plan will not never be a blessing. Uh, that's why God intended marriage the way that it was, because uh, He intended it to be a blessing uh, for, for man not to be alone, uh, for uh, the, the family unit to be developed. That, that was the very first organized group of human beings, the stability of the family structure, the importance of that, uh, the, the, uh, uh, how we would go forth and multiply uh, would come from the family. So all of that was designed by God, and he obviously knows our, our, how we're wired best and knew what would bless us. So anything outside of his original plan, not going to be a blessing 
uh, in the long run. Let's look at what Jesus said about it. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, he was being asked about divorce and how that worked and what the possibilities were. And he answered this way, verses 4 through 6. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So I always encourage you uh, to, to go about marriage from God's perspective. That will be the bless, best blessing for you. Hope that helps. All right, viewers, got an interesting question here. Is it possible to go a whole day without sinning? Uh, I think that's the first time we've ever been asked that program and all of that question in all the years we've been on. And my answer to that is yes. Uh, it's not, it's possible. In fact, it's possible uh, to go a whole life without sinning. You just follow a very simple formula. Uh, here's the formula Jesus used to do that in John 8:29. Jesus said, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Okay, there's the formula. Everything you do, just always do uh, what pleases God. Now, when you come to a situation, you say, I want to do this, and God wants me to do this. Just always pick what God wants you to do. Now, some of you are thinking, this guy's crazy. That's, <laughs> it's not that easy. Well, you're right. It's not that easy because that assumes that we always have time to think things through, uh, that assumes we always know what God's will is. Uh, that assumes we have the willpower and the, the strength of character to always choose the right thing. And as humans, we don't do that. Uh, so there's a problem to that theory. But uh, I'd say, yes, it's possible to go a whole day without sinning. Uh, we sin out of ignorance sometimes. We don't know that we're offending God. Uh, we send out a weakness sometimes. Uh, sometimes we sin rebelliously. We actually take time to think and say, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, so all those different kinds of sin play into it. And like I said, we don't always have time to think. We, we get caught up in a moment and our flesh takes over and we sin out of weakness. So not as easy as it sounds. But thankfully, we don't have to live with that as our goal. Now, certainly, we ought to try to always not sin, uh, but there's a thing called grace that makes things a whole lot easier. Uh, grace is what covers those sins. John wrote about it in First John a lot. In First John 1, 7, he said, The blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from all sin. So... In that day when maybe you're batting a thousand up till five o'clock and then something happens, uh, the blood of Jesus takes care of that sin. Uh, you don't have to spend your life fretting over every uh, little thing and making, uh, boy, I think I messed that one up. Grace covers a whole lot of things. Now, yes, we ought to try to be as sinless as possible and be as much like Christ as we can. Uh, but setting out to say, I'm going to go through this day sinless is a pretty tough way to live. And grace makes life a whole lot easier. Jeff, what's your viewer after here? 
Uh, this viewer wants to know about the crucifixion. Specifically, what did all the events at the crucifixion mean? Earthquakes, veil torn, etc. And I'm guessing that etc. means uh, darkness falling over the land and also the dead rising. So we'll, we'll look at these really quickly. Uh, we'll look at the account of the crucifixion specifically in Matthew. And what we see here is a lot of very unique uh, and supernatural events happened at this point, at the moment of Christ's death. Um, so preceding the verse that we're going to read, we see that darkness came over the earth uh, for three hours. Now let's look at Matthew 27, verse 51. We'll see the rest of these. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn, torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. And it's not on your screen, but this verse goes on to say, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. So uh, a, a bunch happened there in that set of verses at the moment of Christ's death. And there's some important meaning to all of those. Now, a lot of this meaning uh, is, is speculation, but, but a lot of it is widely believed. So we'll cover this briefly. First of all was darkness over the earth. Uh, this is commonly believed to represent God's judgment. Uh, when people have done something that is not good. In this case, it was the crucifixion of his only son. Uh, we also see darkness covering the earth in another place in the Bible. Um, when um, Moses was trying to get the Israelites released from captivity, and that, in that case, the darkness lasted for three days. Uh, the second event we saw at the crucifixion was the curtain torn from top to bottom. Uh, and this is believed to represent that curtain that separated basically uh, the people from God, a uh, curtain that separated the holiest of holies where God resided uh, from the rest of the people, uh, with the exception of the high priest who could go in there um, once a year with some specific rituals. Uh, so the significance of that was the fact that the way to God had been opened for all people through the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, next, we have an earthquake. And many believe that because of the, the context clues from other places in the Bible, uh, that this was either a quake from just the presence of God or a showing of the immensity of what had just happened. Uh, an earthquake uh, at, at the time, at, at an event that was the most important uh, in history. Uh, and then lastly, we have the dead raised. Uh, and this shows Christ's victory over death. Uh, pretty simply, and it's a foretaste of what it's going to be like when he comes again. Uh, we can see that several places in the Bible, uh, specific, specifically Thessalonians 4.16, uh, we know that when he comes again, it will be the same. The dead will be raised. The interesting thing about all of these events is that they have historical backing even from non-Christian sources, and they can't be easily explained away. Um, so I hope that answers the viewer's question, at least in part. Um, but I encourage you to research these events. They're extremely interesting, and, and they'll build your faith. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. We uh, study the Bible for a little bit each week with you, but there's a whole lot more in the Bible than we, the three of us will ever get to uh, with you or in our lifetime, for that matter. So we encourage home Bible study. We think it's a, a God's Word, and we believe it's uh, the, what we ought to spend some time doing, finding out God's will for us. 
Uh, we know some of our viewers do that already, and we know some haven't got started. So we have some tools that uh, we think are a great way to facilitate your Bible study. Uh, here are eight lessons in the introductory course. It's just a good overview of the Bible. It starts very basic, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and you learn the difference between the two. Uh, you get those eight lessons done and graduate from that. You get a good, nice certificate uh, to, for your accomplishment, and then you can pick to go on to more courses if you want and study the Bible for quite a while with Know Your Bible Study Tools. We've also added an online course uh, for those that would rather do things online digitally. Uh, just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and they will get you signed up for a great online Bible study. So lots of ways to study the Bible. All of them are absolutely free. I use that phone number, website, uh, whichever you prefer, and we'll get you started in a very good home Bible study. Mr. Toby, what's up next? All right, I have a question about grace. And the question is this, where does it say that you can fall from grace? Grace is a, a big theme throughout the uh, the New Testament, especially the grace that uh, through Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 8 is probably the best known uh, verse. And it says simply, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And that's what grace means, unmerited favor, the gift of God, something we didn't earn nor could we earn. So we're saved by grace through faith. Now, with the understanding of what grace is, there are some who teach doctrines around grace uh, that are simply not biblical or not held up by biblical uh, teaching, uh, the whole Bible. When uh, some ideas uh, in Reformed theology, the idea is irresistible grace, uh, the idea that once saved, always saved, uh, that you can never fall from grace. Well, what we teach on the program and what we believe the Bible says uh, is that grace can never be taken from you, but you can choose to give it up. You can choose, just as you accepted the gift of grace, uh, to reject it. Uh, many people did. Uh, many people do today, and certainly many people will in the future. How do we know that? How do we know that you can fall from grace? Well, there are several scriptures that tell us this. Uh, writing to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 10.12, this won't be on the screen, but 1 Corinthians 10.12, if you care to look it up in your Bibles at home, he writes, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Right? Got to be got to be careful. He's warning the church at Corinth, which had a lot of problems, to not abuse the grace of God and, and to, to, to uh, be careful with the things that they had learned and the ways in which they were behaving. Peter writes this in his, uh, what we call Second Peter. He says, uh, he's talking about the qualities of a Christian life, uh, godliness and knowledge and, and self-control and steadfastness and all of, these, all of these qualities that Christians ought to have and ought to grow in. And then he says this, uh, verse 9 of Second Peter 1, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. 
So it's clear from Scripture that what, that a Christian can choose to reject the grace of Jesus and can choose to give up the grace that was given to them at the cross. Uh, let's look at one more verse, and this is found in Galatians chapter 5. Paul writing here to the church at Galatia, he writes, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. See, the key is that grace comes through Christ Jesus. And so the, the choice to accept or reject, to obey or disobey Christ Jesus is at the core of accepting grace. And so just as we must accept it, we also be careful not to reject it and to fall from grace. Hope that helps. All right. We've got a uh, viewer that disagrees with us on something. And what? Believe it or not, we, we do. <laughs> We do have disagreements sometimes. Uh, this viewer says, you said baptism was necessary. Uh, because the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, I believe baptism is definitely the next step in your walk with Christ, but it's not necessary for salvation. All right. Uh, appreciate you getting in touch with us and let us know that. We welcome disagreements. We, we get things wrong every once in a while. Uh, but this one is not just a... a slip of the tongue or uh, we made a, made a mistake. This is the difference between uh, what's taught in the Bible and what a whole lot of people have been taught in their life. Uh, what our viewer proposes there, uh, that because of the thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized, so we don't need to be baptized. Uh, that's a very common teaching. Uh, that's a very popular doctrine of men. Uh, people who don't believe that baptism is necessary, don't want it to be necessary for salvation, uh, seize on the thief on the cross quite often and say, well, there, there's you an example. So very common. A lot of people believe that. A lot of people have been taught that. Uh, this program's called Know Your Bible. So what we do is show you Bible verses and try to follow the teaching as best we can. We don't ignore some verses. We know there are verses that say you're saved by faith. Uh, that includes uh, obedient baptism. We reconcile things. Let's just look at one verse, uh, very simple, very clear, and no matter what other verses you find, you have to explain this one if you don't want baptism to be necessary. So let's just look at Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16. Right before Jesus left the earth, he said to his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. All right, now there's a little phrase in there. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now, Forget all the other verses, you know. Just look at that one, and that's pretty simple. Uh, a second grader could read that and figure out what it means. Uh, if a teacher tells the class, you've got to write an essay and turn it in. If you do that, you'll pass. Well, nobody in the class would say, well, I'm going to write an essay, but I'm not going to turn it in, and I still expect to pass. Of uh, if some student said, well, I'm going to, I'll, I'll write an essay, but I'll turn it in when I get good and ready. It's a next step, and I'll get there someday, but I want you to pass me now. Uh, nobody would think that. And some people seize on the second part of that verse that says, uh, if you don't believe, you'll be condemned. Well, 
if you don't write the essay, you don't need to argue about whether you turn it in or not. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not going to pass. So very clear verse, very simple. Uh, take that verse and understand what it says, and baptism comes before salvation. Okay. Now, since our viewer brought up the thief, uh, and I said that's a very common illustration of you don't need baptism, uh, the thief died under the old law. He was saved exactly like everybody else under the old law was saved. Moses was not baptized. David was not baptized. Abraham was not baptized. The Bible specifically says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. He was saved by faith. How did we know he had faith? He did what God told him. Okay. Now, the New Testament, we're saved by faith, yes. Uh, how do we know we have faith? Well, we do what Jesus says. Go back and read Mark 16. What did Jesus say? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you say, I'm going to believe, but I don't need to be baptized, pretty much says you don't believe Jesus. So that verse, little simple, clear verse, really is settles the question, I think, but there's a whole lot of other verses also, but uh, that's a good one to start with if you want to figure out is baptism necessary or not. It's amazing how simple Mark makes it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the people there understood, 3,000 of them did anyway, that, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. that first day they said, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be baptized. <laughs> that's right. All right, Mr. Jeff. Yep, I have a pretty controversial one. Uh, which Bible translation is best to live by? Uh, and first of all, the very first thing that you want to make sure is that whatever Bible translation you're reading out of, uh, is you got to do your research and make sure that it doesn't hurt the integrity of God's Word or have the potential of hurting the integrity of God's Word because of the way that it's translated. Uh, most of us, myself included, don't read the Bible in its original languages. So the translation that we choose is very important. Uh, some of the more well-known translations are the New International Version, which is called the NIV, uh, the English Standard Version, which is the ESV, uh, and the uh, New American Standard, uh, the NASB. And those are just a few. There's also King James, New King James, uh, and all of these have different strengths. Uh, but to give some broad advice, I recommend a word-for-word -word translation uh, like the ESV or the New American Standard over a thought-for-thought -thought translation like the message. Uh, and I don't know if many of you have read the message, but basically it's, it made an attempt uh, to make the Word of God more palatable and easier to understand for a new generation. And I understand the idea behind that, but we have to be very careful that we don't sacrifice truth in order to make things more palatable or simply easier. Uh, and I'm sure, so this is just my opinion, and I'm sure Steve and Toby have their own, uh, but personally I like to use the ESV. Uh, but there are, there are several times when I have uh, multiple translations that I look at in order to understand the verse better. And I also recommend, and this isn't a translation, but I also recommend having an interlinear text in front of you, uh, which is a single word-for-word -word translation from the Hebrew and Greek, and that helps as well. Uh, the amazing thing about uh, today is that we can have all of those in the palm of our hand. 
Uh, you can take a phone and you can have all the different translations and you can look through them uh, for accuracy and understanding. Uh, one last thing to remember when it comes to God's Word is it's not going anywhere. Uh, and God's Word tells us that. Let's look at Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Uh, so find a good word-for-word -word version that doesn't sacrifice truth. Compare it with other versions and continue to read the Word of God. All right, let's uh, invite you to visit a Church of Christ. We do that a little bit each week because we're sponsored by Churches of Christ across the country, and we like to recognize some of them. Here's two in central Kansas, uh, Kingman, Kansas, and Pratt, Kansas. Both have fine groups of uh, Christians that get together and worship and serve the community, uh, think and study the Bible a lot like we do on this program. So we thank them for their support and invite you to visit them sometime. If you're looking for a church home, you'd be warmly welcomed. If you know a member of one of those congregations, tell them, hey, I saw you all know your Bible and I enjoy that program. Thanks for having it on. Uh, whatever area you're watching in, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. We invite you to visit one sometime. All right, Toby, I think we got yep. time for one more a here. question about a very mysterious Bible character or Jesus and Melchizedek, the same person. Now, Jesus is not so much mysterious, but Melchizedek is. Uh, he appears in Genesis chapter 14 uh, to Abram. Abram actually comes to him. Uh, we, we read in Genesis 14, 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, uh, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And this is interesting because the priestly system that we generally know with God and God's people had not been established yet. So this was some uh, very unique priest, but obviously he had authority and power because Abram gave him a tithe, a tenth of everything. So he was significant. Abram knew who he was, recognized his authority as a priest. And um, so people wonder, well, who is this Melchizedek? He's described in uh, different places, Psalm 110, uh, Hebrews. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And uh, that's, that's interesting because the two are very unique and uh, 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 individuals who had a strong influence, but the scripture doesn't give us a lot of detail about who Melchizedek was. So uh, are they the same person? My answer is it's possible. It's possible. We really don't know. There's, you can read a lot of people who make the case of why he was, but most of it just extends our speculation from verses that we have. Uh, the scripture doesn't ever say that directly. Let's look at Hebrews 7, 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. And this is why people think he might be Jesus. <laughs> he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. So, possibly, we just don't know. Hope that helps.
Sounds mysterious to me. Yes. yes. All right, let's get our trivia question answered today. And it was a fill-in-the-blanks quotation. May the words of what and the meditation of what be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And the full quotation is, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. That covers about everything. And I'll notice one of our mistakes there, Psalm 19, verse 14, not verse 144. There's not, not that long a chapter. So 1914 is where you'll find that one. And we expect to see you next week. Until then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.